0: Welcome back to the podcast of the Francis Asbury Society. This is episode 60. I'm Josh Hallahan, Director of Discipleship, and you're in for a treat this week. Bill Kearse, incoming president, shares a devotion on Psalm 37 and also a bit of his story of how uh, the Lord brought him to this point in his life and joining FAS as president. Um, and that's a little Q&A time with our participants on the call. And so it's a bit informal there at the end, but I think you'll enjoy hearing Bill's heart, uh, hearing a bit of the story, and then his interaction with uh, the people on the call. So thanks for stopping by. Enjoy this devotion from Bill Kears.
1: Great, thank you, Josh. Uh, first of all, let me, let me say that uh, it's a great honor, and great joy to be here with you today, and certainly to be uh, awaiting the official start of uh, of my role as president at FAS. I'm I'm still um, I'm still not sure this is quite happening, but uh, but I know it is. It's uh, it's been a a wonderful wonderful time these last few weeks. In fact, I was um, scheduled to do the devotional two weeks ago and that was on the monday uh, prior to Kim my wife and I meeting with the the FAS board on saturday and receiving the news that uh that I'd been elected to this role and um I didn't tell Josh why I don't know if you figured it out but I I emailed him sort of last minute and said hey Josh I don't think I can do the devotional this next week I just couldn't trust myself not to say anything so uh, uh or or let you know, let my expression give it away. But I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I'm in the office today, just in and out. Uh, actually, as as one of the FAS evangelists, I was scheduled to go this week to um, uh, set up a book table for us at the uh, IHC meeting in uh, Gatlinburg, and uh, now I'm going in a little different uh, capacity. Um, but i'm excited about that so i came to pick up books and actually drop off some books to start delivering to the to the office here so i'm only in for just a few minutes and what i will likely do today is when i'm finished sharing i'll join in the prayer for a few moments and then i'm going to need to slip out and take care of a couple of these other things before um before i have to get on my way but i'm looking forward to a lot of times with you looking forward to getting to know all of you. Um, I've gotten notes from a couple of you, and, and I've had a couple of you tell me you've meant to send notes, so that's, that's good, Mike, um, but don't worry about that. We're going to have plenty of time to all get to, to know each other. Um, I'd like to read today um, and share brief, really, testimony of what God's been doing in my life over the last few years, and then open it up for any questions. Just do a little Q and A today, so perhaps you can can get to know a little bit about about me and, and my family if you'd like to know that. So in Psalm 37, this great great psalm um, where uh, David talks about uh, confidence in God's direction and in God's leadership, and I look in Psalm 37 just to read a few selected verses. Uh, verse 3 and 4, and really 3 through 6, we know well, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out wicked schemes. Refrain from anger, turn from wrath. Do not fret; it leads only to evil. It's an interesting statement. We probably want to unpack that that one statement sometime. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And then. Um, Moving over a little later in the in the text here in verse twenty uh, one and two the wicked um, the wicked borrow twenty one the wicked borrow and do not repay but the righteous give generously those the Lord blesses will inherit the land but those he curses will be destroyed and then verse 20, 23 and beyond here is really what I want to focus on for a few minutes today the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Uh, We could live in that 37th Psalm every day and and find the richness of the Lord, couldn't we? It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm, and it's one that's meant an awful lot to me for many, many years. I know I've used that psalm to counsel people at various times in ministry who were struggling with getting a sense of God's direction and knowing where God was leading, and I've always referred to that psalm and saying to people, you know, we really don't have to find the will of God. The will of God will find us. The um the mandate we're given is, is to love the Lord and delight in the Lord and do not fear and be steadfast and, and hold firm and and be steady. And the Lord will direct our paths. And I love that image of, of though we fall, the Lord, um, uh, though we stumble, the Lord will not allow us to fall like the parent who holds the child of the hand of the child and, um, uh, and helps them over those, um, uh, rocky, difficult places, whether they're stepping over a curb or onto the stones or in some dangerous place, it says the Lord holds our hand. And that's really been my experience, um, well, really throughout my life, but the last few years in particular, uh, as the Lord has uh, routed um, our paths to converge together here in this place. I attended Asbury Seminary in 1992 to 1996. When I came to Asbury, I had had about 10 years of itinerant evangelism prior to that time, Now that's too long a story to get into and and tell. I will say this, the short version is my mother dragged me into an essay and oratory contest my senior year in high school, and uh, it was a very weak field that year. And there were um, awards that were given that allowed for opportunities to travel and speak. And at the same time in my life, I was wrestling with a call to ministry. And so as I would be brought into a community, a town or city to give my speech, uh, usually on a Saturday night at some sort of banquet, I would say to the organizers, if you have a church you could put me in on Sunday, I'd love to go. And that uh, that launched something that none of us really could have anticipated at that time. And so for the years of uh, my early marriage and our first, well, really all three of our first children, our only children coming along at that time, being very small, we traveled. We traveled a little small Toyota uh, vehicle with a plastic uh, cargo top to keep all of our luggage in traveling around the country where the Lord opened the doors. And, uh, I remember we came into town one time and a friend of mine laughed. He saw us drive by and he said, yeah, he said, there come the curses. They look like an ant dragging a breadcrumb. <laughs> and, uh, that's really what we looked like. And God was very gracious to us during those years. And so when, when I came to Asbury Seminary, really more out of a sense of, uh, desire to be home with my children every night, um, I loved the work of evangelism, and the Lord really, really blessed and honored that. But we felt God call us to pastoral ministry for a season, and so I came to Asbury, and I got here and, and realized I had preached camp meetings with a good bit of the faculty here um, at either the college or the seminary, and so it was fairly natural that Dr. Kinlaw would invite me to um, uh, to walk along beside him and. Uh, John Oswald and Harold Burgess and others with FAS during the years that I was here it was without question the most um the most fulfilling season of ministry I've ever had in my life uh, before or since um, the mentorship the um the sense of um, of calling, of being in the midst of something very special, God was doing even at that time was was pretty cool. Uh, I remember Dr. Kenlaw called me down to his basement um, right before I left seminary. I got two great pieces of of advice before I left school. One from Dr. Kenlaw, and one from uh, Ken Kinghorn. Dr. Kenlaw called me down to his basement and wanted to have a conversation. Now you knew when he did that, it was going to be a um, it was, it was going to be a serious conversation. It was going to be one that, that meant something to him. And he said to me, he said, Bill, I really think you need to go get a PhD. And I had no idea why he would suggest that I do that. Um, my wife and I were already broke. Uh, we had accepted an appointment. And um, I didn't have enough sense at the time to know that if I got into a top program, they'd pay me to go and they would probably give me a stipend greater than the twenty five thousand six hundred dollars I was going to take to go to my first appointment. But I didn't know that. Uh, I thanked him very much for for his confidence in me and and moved on. but i'll never I'll never forget what he said. He said, I, I think I believe that one day God is going to bring you back to Wilmore. Now, I don't think he meant certainly in this role. I don't know that he would have or could have foreseen that but perhaps as a professor or something, but that always stuck with me. Uh, I finally did go back for the PhD and a couple more masters and fell in love with with academics and with students and mentoring and teaching and coaching, which has always been a part of, of uh, my spiritual profile, but all the while still passionate about preaching the gospel. Uh, It was in 2018 that I was about to step out of the local church to go into teaching full time. And our bishop in Alabama, West Florida called and invited uh, me to serve on his staff as director of congregational development. Now, I'll have a lot of years to figure out whether or not that was the right thing to do as I look back on it between General Conference 2019 and between um, Uh, COVID and all the disaffiliation uh, talk, it was a very frustrating five years politically um, for me. But it was a wonderful time of ministry, coaching pastors and working with churches and and, uh, helping churches try to reach their their full capacity in the midst of of all the difficult things that were going on. So I loved the role, Uh, didn't like the job very much one of the things that i think about at fas is the importance of the number of different groups that we serve and and wondering if perhaps this is a season where the lord wants me to be free to serve everybody in a way that doesn't show favoritism or or a sense of of belonging to any one place so i'm trying to trying to figure that out at at the moment but we knew it was it was very obvious that the lord had something else and so i entered into a season of 6 months of prayer and fasting and discerning what that would be and the thing that i kept hearing the lord speak to my heart over and over again was bill i want you to go back to where you started i want you to go back to where you started now i didn't think that meant the francis asbury society i wasn't sure if it meant evangelism although that was one of the things that i was was thinking about how How would one do evangelism these days in this different context? Elaine, I know you do a lot of it. Looking forward to picking your brain and others. But um, what I did begin was a, a bit of a journey where I went to a lot of places where I'd been with people that I'd known through the years and folks that had been particularly influential in my spiritual life and went to visit. I went back to where I preached my first revival at age 19. And the Church of the Brethren pastor there is 92 years old and still living. And just those those people in my life, those who were still alive, to, to go and visit and just sit and talk with. And I knew that I had to go this past summer to the Francis Asbury Society retreat at the Hemlock Inn. I'd only been back once in the last 25 years And I just sensed in my heart that a part of that journey was to go back to that place. And it was there on the concrete floor uh, at the Hemlock Inn on that last night of the retreat that the Lord just um, broke my heart and um, was able to to, uh, do a great work of of liberty and freedom in me from uh, a lot of pent-up frustration and even some bitterness at the duplicity that I had seen and experienced and and even been a victim of in this whole thing that we've come to know as, as church politics. And it was there that day that the Lord just really began to, to uh, open up a whole vista of, of uh, uh, anticipation for me. So I came to the holiness collaborative in November. And and when I arrived here and I've known Ron Smith for many years, I used to preach revivals for Ron in New Jersey before he, he, um, Came to FAS the first time, much less the third. Um, and so I, I had known Ron a long, long time. And I came to visit with him in April, came to the Hemlock Inn in, in August. The Lord just did a beautiful work in me there. And so then I came back to the Holiness Collaborative in the fall. And when I arrived in town, uh, I found out that uh, Ron had just recently resigned and would be taking the position at Ohio Christian University full time. I didn't let myself in those first few days really think about the possibilities, um, but finally did broach the subject uh, with a couple of people and um, was encouraged to to apply. And so that's how we got here. I tell you, it, it was a long four months of waiting for the application process to be over. I turned down three other jobs during that period of time because I just sensed in my heart that this was where God wanted me to be and what me what he wanted me to do. Um, a lot of you don't know me. I'm a little bit like the guy. Do you all remember seeing the uh, Andy Griffith episode? Some of you don't aren't familiar with Andy Griffith. Some of you are, but you remember the old Andy Griffith episode where the guy gets off the bus in Mayberry and he knows everybody in town and nobody knows him? You, you know that episode? Well, I'm kind of that guy right now, and and uh, I hope you'll be patient with me and let me let me learn to to know you and for you to get to know me. But I could not be more excited about this opportunity to um, serve in the legacy of of so many wonderful people, not the least of which, of course, is is Dennis Kinlaw, and to um, see what God may do with us over these next years as we. As Psalm 37 says, delight ourselves in the Lord and see what desires of our heart that God gives us for the kingdom. And uh so it's great to be here with you. Now that's a that's a long introduction yeah. and 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 bio, but I wanted you to hear that story from me as we get started. And I'll take a couple or three questions if you have them. Tell us about your family. Kim and I have been married for 39 years. I said thirty-eight, and and I had to remember it's been thirty-nine. I think we lost a year in there somewhere. Okay. Uh, we have three children. Kim is from Pennsylvania originally, and uh, uh, we have three children. Uh, Philip is thirty-eight, Krista is thirty-six, and Anna is thirty-two. And they all um, they all love their mom and dad, and they all love the Lord um, to varying degrees. Um, Life has happened to one of our children who went through a divorce and is still a little scuffed up. It was not something he asked for or wanted, but but he's recovering uh, well. And uh, we have eight grandchildren, and um, and you know we we were just together this last weekend for um, for the holiday for Easter, and I, I thought again of what John said in his little epistle where he said. I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. Um, And I think the thing that is such a blessing for me and Kim is when our children are together, not only is there a lot of laughter in the house, um, a lot of laughter in the house, but they are best friends, all three of them just love each other. And uh, that's a great tribute to their mom. Now, those first ten years, I was away a lot. Of course, she went with me some, a, lot, a good bit. But uh, we're just very blessed. It's a, it's a, a family that that uh, we are are very um, very grateful to God for, and uh, and are thankful for them. Thanks for asking that question, Lane. I should have led
0: with that. I'll throw a softball at you there, uh, there, Bill. This is Gerald. Uh, hey, what do you Gary. see? What do you see as the greatest issue facing the church today? Oh gosh, that's how can FAS problem. begin to? Uh, <laughs> how can FAS begin to address that?
1: Well, I I, I think it's complacency. Uh, I I think that we have descended into America into a form of civil religion that has has denied the godliness thereof, so to speak, as Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, I think that that's a huge a huge issue we're facing. I, certainly, I think there's a lot of a lot's been said and a lot have been written about uh, uh, the difference in the generations and the cultural shifts and things that we're we're facing today. And and I do believe that's legitimate. I also think that a large part of that is when when the when the effect of the gospel on people's lives gets lost, then. What we're experiencing today is a natural result of that. And so, obviously, great need for awakening. What we saw at Asbury University uh, was, I think, only the tip of the iceberg of what God is doing and what we saw spread around the country. Um, you know, Gerald, I, I think, and maybe this is bold, maybe, you know, there'll be people who will say that this doesn't make much sense, that the day is past and gone. But, you know, we get we get our proof text about the role of the evangelist from Ephesians 4:11, right? That God's given some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists and teachers. Um that comes a long time before even Francis Asbury, even before the Wesleyan Holiness Movement, even before the Wilmore institutions. We we live in a day now where people are saying, you just can't be an evangelist again. Um There's no room for that in our society today. Now, what it looks like today may very well be very different than what we've encountered in past years. Um, Our approach to dialogue and conversation may be different than it's been in previous years in some instances as we um, engage our culture. But the role of the evangelist, the calling, the anointing of the evangelist um, is still alive today. And I hope that one of the things we can do together is to um, discern from the Lord, work collaboratively around what does that look like in the day in which we live. In in which we live, to call people to awakening, to call people to revival, um, because our society is in desperate need of it. And uh, uh, so, Gerald, I don't know if that if that hit the ball or not, but. <laughs> I think that's the the predominant thing that comes to mind as you ask that question.
0: Well, it was always easier than Dr. Kinwall's first question, which was, uh, what have you been reading? Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) is that a second question? (laughs) I've been finishing a PhD dissertation, so if that (laughs) helps, I've been reading a a lot. Um, But for my own enjoyment, I I picked up the, the new biography by Loftus a couple of weeks ago um, called The Watchmaker's Daughter about Corey Ten Boom. And I've enjoyed reading that very much. Um, I've been reading the biography that uh, we um, sell here at FAS on Jacob Arminius. Um, I guess we published it. I've, I've got to to learn some of those things, but um, I've enjoyed that a lot. And I've been going back and reading Wiggers again on um, Francis Asbury, American Saint. Um Oh, and uh, John Eldridge is resilient. I usually have four or five things going at one time. Any other question? We we have plenty of time for this later on, but <laughs> I want to especially welcome our, our international friends who are here today. Um, and you may be in, in Wilmore, you may be somewhere around the, the world right now, um, I am so excited about getting to know each of you, especially, and to know what God is doing and in your lives and in your culture and and among the people you care about and and how we can partner and come alongside you. And I know we're already doing that in a lot of marvelous ways. But uh, very very excited about that. And and also um, I'll say cricket. When we were in seminary here, Kim attended your mom's Bible study very faithfully when she was uh, able to. She worked at one of the hospitals in Lexington, but I think at least every other week, she uh, was a part of the Bible study that your mom did. And the the investments that Titus Women um, made in Kim have paid dividends throughout our entire marriage together. So I am thrilled to know how we can and support and come alongside and stand with you in the work of Titus Women to see God uh, continue to open ladies' hearts to the richness of God's
0: word, so. Thank you, Bill, for that great devotion. And thank you, listener, for stopping by. We do ask you to be in prayer for Bill and Kim as they uh, prepare and make this transition less than two months away. Uh, Bill will also be jumping in with both feet. The first week of June is our Empower the Nations conference in Mexico City, and Bill will be joining us. And so uh, you just be praying for Bill. He's got a lot on his plate uh, to make that transition up here to Wilmore, and then uh, we'll certainly hit the ground running. So we appreciate your prayers. For bill and kim and thank you for stopping by and give us a listen if you need more information about fas check out our website francisasburysociety.com and don't be afraid to reach out we'd love to hear from you take care god bless